Hope everybody had a good week. Howard and I were were in Las Vegas this week. That's a rough place to be. Um, and, you know, I've been there over the years, and it's kind of interesting how I've evolved as a human being. I used to love Vegas when I was younger. Um, I thought, wow, how much fun and all the, the lights and the, you know, it's just a big fantasy world. But I've realized it's just a lie. And it's a painful lie for a lot of people who don't know that yet. And, uh, and it's, it's just not a very nice place. Um, South Padre Island, for me in college, same way. You know, I thought, wow, this is so much fun. And, and the, the, the fellowship with my friends was good. The tools we used to fellowship were not so good. Uh, they were painful. Um, and some of those friends went on and couldn't escape from that. They got caught in alcoholism and drug abuse and the consequences because the, the lie was there. There was enough truth weaved in with the lie. The truth was the fellowship. The lie were the tools that came along with it. And those tools ultimately took some of those friends down a very dark place. And so we, uh, it, what we do here is important. You know, we, we gather together to learn. We gather together to come together to understand this magnificent plan that God has for us. Um, and, and we're searching and seeking in all the scripture promises that as we search and seek, we'll find him. So we're on this series right now about being a contagious believer. And, and we talked about humility and we've talked about attitude and, and learned that the science of attitude, what's behind the behavioral science, matches up miraculously with scripture, which I didn't understand. And I thought that was really cool. And now we're going to talk about unity a little bit. And how important it is, how difficult it really can be um, at times. But there's a ton of scripture. I had no idea how much scripture there is about unity. And so um, it all starts with this question that we, we, we pose every week, and it's a lifelong question. As you, as you experience life with people, who do you say I am? That question that Jesus asks uh, and are you ready to start the journey true north? So when you, in, in, when you experience unity of purpose with people, who do they say Jesus is? And as we go through life and we make these major decisions about who we're going to yoke up with in life, that question of who do they say Jesus is matters. Now, we all know that you can yoke up with folks that have a different philosophy about who Jesus is, and, um, and, and it can you can still function. Uh, and, and my experience is that equally yoked is better. And we've, we've, where does this yoking process come from? Whoops. Uh, I'm going to skip this and come back to it. So this is, this, is this, this bar across the head of the animals for before really hundreds and thousands of years before we had the industrial age, this is how stuff got done. You'd yoke up the animals, the beasts of burden, and they would pull the plows and they would pull the carriages and um, you'd ride on them, whatever. But they, were, they worked well together. If they weren't equally yoked, see how pretty that field is? You know, those, those guys are getting it done and they're getting it done right. This is kind of what it looks like when you're unequally yoked. Okay? Uh, you know, that's not to say you can't get it done, but it's, but it's rough, you know, it's rough. 
And so when you make choices about yoking together uh, and going on a journey, uh, if, if you can get all on the same page with your pursuit of Christ, uh, it's going to go easier and, and it's throughout every aspect of your life. And we're, we're going to talk about that in a little bit of detail. So <laughs> I like that I'm, I'm the one on the left. I, I, I think he's the more, um, I don't know, what do I, how do I describe that? <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, well, true. So, thanks, Howard. So, he and I have been yoked together uh, a long time, and that yoke has, has gotten uh, stronger over the years as we've gone from a client relationship to a friend relationship to a partnership. And, and, and I, I can tell you that uh, as we have grown in our faith together over these years, um, that bond has gotten stronger, and, and the way we resolve conflict has gotten much easier. And we're much more willing to say, you're right, I'm sorry. And, and we have to do that regularly. And we harass each other unmercifully. But it comes from a place of love. So let's go back here a minute. So these, there, there are different kinds of unity. There's unity of faith. These are definitions out of Webster's American Dictionary of the English Language, 1828. One of the reasons why people love that dictionary is because they used a lot of scripture in that dictionary back then to give examples. Uh, and, and, and a lot of definitions out of the Bible. So unity of faith is an equal belief of the same truths of God in possession of the grace of faith in like form and degree. And unity of spirit is the oneness which subsists between Christ and his saints by which the same spirit dwells in both. And both have the same disposition and aims. And it is the oneness of Christians among themselves, united under the same head, having the same spirit dwelling in them, and possessing the same graces of faith, love, hope, etc. When we, when we are focused on the spirit of Christ, then this unity can work. Sometimes the evil one will weave in and we'll get a spirit of legalism, for instance. Um, and selfishness and, and pride leak in and, and manipulation happens. It's not a spirit of Christ. It's the spirit of really selfishness. What do I want? How do I get it? And how do I manipulate the situation to get that? And we all have to be um, focused on that together. So in a... In a marriage situation, in a work situation, if we have transparency and we have good communication, uh, th this is the goal, to, to make sure that we're seeking that Holy Spirit, that Spirit of Christ. And we know what the fruits of the Spirit are, so if you're not experiencing the fruit that comes from being of one Spirit, then you can ask that question, well, what other Spirit is, is involved? Is it my own selfishness? Is it the selfishness of others? And, and how do we work through that? Uh, I, this is some scripture I love in, in Romans. Let us, and I, and I pulled the King James just because I'm on a King James kick, so you, I'll have to apologize. You may have to go get the NIV out later, but for whatever reason right now I'm on King James. Um, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. He, they want us to edify each other, help each other. Uh, in Philippians only let your conversation be as it cometh from the gospel of Christ, 
that whether I come and see you or whether I'm absent. So whether I'm with you or not, I want to hear about your affairs and I want, I want to know that you're standing in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That was Paul pleading with the Philippian church to focus on Christ and, and focus on what he taught and be single-minded in that. Don't get distracted from that because that's how we, we stay unified. There we go. All right. Oh, went too far. There we go. Unity, these are, these are the areas where I think we need to have a conversation. Unity in our elected officials around our Constitution. We've never been more divided as a country. So we know now from Scripture um, that the, the Lord's calling us to, to do better than that. And as long as our country is divided the way it is, um, we're, we're, we cannot be successful. We just can't. So we have to encourage, um, you know, our country was never so organized around parties as it is today. And that's not what our founders who, in prayer, came up with our Constitution, which I think is very good, and our Bill of Rights. And we, we must organize around that, not around party politics. So the, to me, these, these hardline party philosophies are, are dangerous. And we, we've just, um, but they're the system we have. So we, we have to be careful, but we've also got to work in unity if we're going to accomplish anything in our country. Um, and, you know, the, the Lord knows that unified we can accomplish anything. And there were some, in, in the back in the Tower of Babel, they were unified. There's this story in Genesis about the Tower of Babel. I think it's Genesis. Is that right? And, and it's, you know, they were unified, and the Lord saw their unity and saw that they were going to be successful, but he didn't want what they were going to accomplish to happen. And he knew it was going to happen. So he intervened to make sure they all had different languages. So they, just by definition, they couldn't be unified because they couldn't communicate with each other. So he intervened at that point in time because he knew. So there's, there's power in, in unity. So as a country, if we're going to survive long-term, this beautiful experiment, we, we've, we've got to be unified. So we need to be praying for leadership that can unify our country, um, not tear it apart. And... Um, I think this can be really important. First Corinthians, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord, that you all speak the same thing, that there are no divisions among you, but that you're perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Philippians 2.2, fulfill your joy that you'll be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. And of course, he's talking about the gospel of Christ. In 1 Peter 3.8, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful and be courteous. Um, we're so, our discourse is so far from that. And that's what God calls us to be. So as believers, we've got to change our behavior and, and, and push towards being more like Christ. Uh, and an example in, you know, in Viridian, we've, we've learned to have these organizing principles. We've learned over 30 years in master plan communities where you're going to have you know, 5,000 families living in a place um, that you have to have, if you're, the, if you're in the middle of that doing the design work, you have to have a really strong unified constitution. We call that our design guidelines because everybody has an opinion about that. 
So I get phone calls about, well, the streets are too narrow. Well, you know, that's part of our design guidelines and the way we park the place. And um, there, there's a reason behind it. And so we make sacrifices in one area to enhance another area. And we're, we're, what we're trying to do here, Howard and I, is create a place that's pedestrian-friendly, that's more geared towards families walking around. And the automobile's not, you know, we're not accommodating it as much as we would. So it's a little tougher when you're in the car. That's, what, that's part of our design guidelines, and so we know that. So when we come under attack for that, we're, 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 we're unified in that. I, don't have to, I know what he's going to say, and, I, and he knows what I'm going to say. And, and for, you know, for people who, who don't want to get on the design guideline train, there are infinite number of places to live where the streets are really wide and cars drive fast. So um, we're clear on that. You know? So the, the folks that live in Viridian generally want to be here and they're, they're experiencing and feeling that unity of vision um, and, 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 and they like it or they like most of it or they wouldn't be here, at least I think that. So that's, an, that's another example. But we have a tool. You know, we have this design guideline. Our, our tool with our faith is the Bible and Christ's example. You know, that's our tool. Unity in our family, love centered around the pursuit of Christ. All right, so unity in the family is really hard, particularly when um, I, have, I have some crazy people in my family, and they think I'm the crazy person. So we, we, we're not necessarily always unified about how we, we view Scripture necessarily. Um, and I will tell you the little things that the Satan will try and do to undermine the unity of the family. So this morning, you know, this morning I'm, on, I'm so excited. I've spent the day in, you know, in the cave and... My, my time with the Lord, and, and I get up this morning, and I'm all excited about coming to church, and I walk into the kitchen, and, and um, there are dishes in the sink. And for whatever reason, that happens all the time, right? You know, the dishwasher's full, and somebody probably loaded it, and there was some left over, and I didn't react well to that. And I was offended that there were dishes in the sink. Now, th that's silly, but for whatever reason, I was not in the right frame of mind, and I went into my son's room and accosted him. He was studying. He studies all the time. He's a great kid. And the last thing he needs to hear from me is abuse about, but I went in there and I felt, and I just, you know, don't do this to me. I'm busier than you are. And why aren't these dishes, you know, why didn't you empty the dishwasher? And, and it's just horrible. It's horrible. So I went back in, but, you know, the Lord convicted me. I'm speaking on unity and I'm creating disunity. I was definitely not being courteous or pitiful. You know, I was pitiful. So I went in, but, but, but the Lord convicted me. And I went in back into the room and I said, well, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have fussed at you. I said, that's, you know, and I probably threw you under the bus during my tirade. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I apologize publicly uh, that, that I did that. Yeah, it's on the, oh, no. So it's, but it's important that we have unity. And, and, and you, you, if you let Satan undermine in the little things, sometimes we just need to let stuff go. You know, what's the bigger picture that's more important? And um, clearly forgiveness and being able to say you're sorry, uh, but truly having to work on those behaviors where we react in the flesh is important. And unity in the family is important. So I've had, my kids are on their own spiritual journey. And when I was younger, that was really hard for me. Um, I was 
I was in my own flesh and selfishness offended by that. You know, that, God, we've taught you all this stuff, and now you're going on your own, you know. And, um, and it was really hard for me. Well, I finally got over it, and I realized that if I wanted to have a relationship with my children, I was going to have to let them go and pray and hold on to the promises that God gives us about our kids. And when I did that, man, everything, the unity in the family just, and we love being together. And we went on a trip the first time. I promised Carrie Europe for 30 years. We finally got to go last summer. We had all the kids with us. Best trip I've ever been on. Best trip I've ever been on. It was awesome. So I know it's possible. You know, I know what kind of unity in the family is possible. I know how good it is. And so I'm, I would just encourage you to examine where, where, you know, where's unity in the family and how do we let go and spend more time in prayer trusting that the, let the Holy Spirit deal with it. You know, if we really believe that God's in control, then we can pray and hand that over to him. Um, and, and some of the stuff we have to let go. Now, I'm not saying you let abuse go. I'm not saying you let things that where you need healthy boundaries. Um, if you have a family member who's in such a sinful condition that you just need some separation from that, that's not, you know, you, you, you create some space, that's okay. Um, but the little stuff, you know, like leaving their toothpaste open on the, you know, so what? You know, let it go. All right. Or their room, you know, shut the door. Pull the door shut. When they move out, you can fumigate the place. <laughs> and you know what I mean. You're laughing because you know what I mean, right? <laughs> Underwear for weeks. No, how do you not? Ugh. All right. Um, unity in church leadership. You know, it's 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 same thing. You know, it's really important that we're unified. And we can't, it, we, we may not always be right. We might have different approaches to things. But at the end of the day, we, we've got to, if we're going to move forward and, and be accomplished, the church has to be unified. And, and it's, you know, everybody has, comes from different backgrounds and different places, and it's hard. But it's really important um, that we work it to protect uh, the, the unity. Now, uh, marriage. This is, I wanted to get here and spend a little bit more time because I think that, you know, those two most important decisions you're going to make in your life is who do you say I am? Christ, right? And then who, who are you going to pick as your partner to do life with? Um, there are no, you know, your career, not that important. Because trust me, if you're pick the wrong partner, and those of us, or those of you who have experienced that in your lifetime understand, it's painful. And so um, this one's really important. Now, Nancy Lee DeMoss is a great uh, women's teacher. She had a huge influence on my daughter's life and Carrie's life. She's a wonderful teacher. And um, if you're in a relationship where there's an unequal yoking, she has great teaching on on pray and love and don't judge and walk in that. And it's really, it's, it's a phenomenal teaching. Whether you're a uh, husband or a wife, whatever your spousal situation is, um, I would encourage you. Nancy has some great teaching on that. You can, you can get with Carrie. Um, there is great hope, and there are miracles. Sometimes it takes a long time. And so it's, it's just a, a lot of time in prayer and love and understanding and let the Holy Spirit work, and you'll be surprised. There's some things that Carrie, I'm sure, prayed about our marriage for a long time, and every now and then if, I, if, if the Holy Spirit changes me in that area, so I'll see the Rudolph will show up, and there'll be some tears, and I'm, she's like, God did it. You know? So she's very patient with me. Um, 
But if you're not, if 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 you're if if you're not teaching your children, so as a parent, as we're raising our children, um, man, we've got to we've got to talk about this a lot, you know, from from this age when they're little, you know, I'm going to be equally yoked, you know, whatever it takes, plant that seed deep, um, counsel them, because you know I described it to my daughter this way, and this worked for her, so I'm going to share it with you. I said guys are like when they're young and in college, guys are like puppy dogs, you know? So if you go, to the, you go to the pet store and all the puppies are lined up, they're all cute, you know? They're all cute, you know? And you can fall in love with e and all those puppies, okay? But then they grow up and they, they start to become a dog. And there are different <laughs> kinds of dogs. <laughs> and... And so you know, be careful what dog, you know, what puppy you pick. So it's always good to wait and be patient and let the puppy develop a little bit. And let's see what kind of stripes the dog has before we pick the dog. Because you can fall in love with any kind of dog. And, uh, but, you, you know, you want to you wait and be patient. And so uh, it has been a struggle for my daughter. And she's done a great job. Um, and, and, you know, mistakes along the way with a lot of help. Uh, counseling from Carrie through the, the the dogs that had some bad stripes, you know, because there's some dogs that pretend to be something they're not, and and they will manipulate your daughter, um, and that's not good, and everybody's grinning because we've all run into those kind of dogs, and so um, hopefully uh, Chloe now is in a relationship with a young man who loves the Lord, and they're pursuing God together, and and maybe this is the one. We'll see. I don't know. But, but I'm glad that she's dating in a relationship with someone who uh, they're equally yoked as it relates to, to that question of who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Uh, now, I don't want to discourage you or project onto you if you're not in a relationship like that, that there's no hope. There's tons of hope. And you can still do it. And God can take you right where you're at. And I'm evidence of that in and begin to change you so just prayer trust the holy spirit the promises are are real and continue just to pray for that that spouse that you know needs to grow in in certain areas when it comes to that Uh, but let's teach our children to be careful Um, you know it's just a much harder road we do marriage counseling before i perform wedding ceremonies and and it's you know it's the thing we talk about and um, you can kind of tell who's really serious about it and who isn't. And the aftermath, after the weddings, and they you know, start their journey, those early years are hard when you're not on the same page seeking, seeking the Lord together. So as we teach our children, I think this concept of equally yoked is really important. All right, and then lastly, unity and business partnerships. Let me flip over some more scripture. Romans. Be of the same mind toward one another. Mind not on high things, but condense to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Okay, so there's this, if we're, if we're going to be of the same mind toward each other, we, there's got to be humility. And we spend a lot of time talking about humility. But if you're, if, if, if you're conceited, if you think you know everything, um, God's telling you, don't be wise in your own mind. You know, seek him, seek his scripture. Don't think you know it all. That's a real problem if you're trying to have unity. Um, so be, we've got to be careful about that. Romans 15, 5. Now, 
the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Christ Jesus. And then 1 Corinthians, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are of one body in Christ. So by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, whether we're Jews or Gentile, whether we're bond or free, and have been made all to drink into one spirit. So, you know, there the disciples in Christ were after us to understand this is so important. And there's a hundred more scripture we could pull on this issue. So it's, you know, this equally yoked concept. So unity in business partnerships. So um, I have worked in companies where um, there was no faith integrated into the business. And, um, and so the first experience I had in that, and it was a gift. I was working, we was going to buy a company in Colorado and they had, I came and they were teaching me and I had this corporate psychologist and this organizational development guy. And over two years, uh, I learned, oh, I needed to do a personal mission statement. So when I did my personal mission statement, I was all excited and I went to show it to the owner of the company who we were going to, the employees were going to buy the company from. And um, the center of my personal mission statement was Christ. And he got just this, all his body language was so sad. And he said, I can't sell you the company. I said, what? And he said, um, I can't let you lead the company if you're going to lead it this way because I don't believe that. And so we agreed that was it. All that two years of work together was done that day. Now, what I realize now is he was right. And he did me a favor. He saved me and him a lot of grief because he realized he was unwilling to compromise in his unfaith in Christ. And so everything that, that we do here, a lot of what we do here, I learned from him and his wife, the, the how to build great community with one missing piece, you know, that, that Christ is the center. So he did me a favor. It happened again when I was with a company for eight years and we were moving more and more towards this Christ as the center, faith integrated, in a, and, and they called me in after eight years and said, it's time for you to go. And they said, we can't do this kumbaya link arms thing. That was an exact quote. Howard's laughing because he remembers it. Um, now, these, these, these men are believers. But when it came to integrating it into the business and treating people according to these principles, they, they just they weren't, they weren't about that. Again, great did me a great favor because that was an opportunity for Howard and I to join together. And one of the things that we're doing, and we'll close with this, is Howard and I are doing, is we're working really hard to protect this fragile ecosystem that we have in our company. Um, and we have these wonderful people coming up through, and, and, and we're integrating our faith, and we're having devotions and Bible studies together, and we're working hard. I mean, you, you've got to have excellence to be successful. But there's a, there's a sweet vibe, and I just hope we never lose it. Um, and we're working so hard to be fair. And as you become more successful and you have and your company's growing and you have more people coming in, how do you deal with that? And so we're talking about that. How do we deal with that? How do we make sure people are compensated fairly? You know, if, if the company is profitable in these different ventures, how do we make sure that, that the people really doing the work are sharing in that profitability as they should? Because we never had that opportunity when Howard and I worked for other companies. So one of the goals we have is to make sure that we don't do that. You know, it's, 
it's, it sounds good when you're not the owner and you're on the other side and you want to do this fair plan, and then you're the owner and you're like, well, wait a minute, I'm guaranteeing the debt and doing this and this. That mindset starts to creep in, that selfishness. So that's going to be a real interesting challenge for us in the years to come as we grow, how we do that in a way that respects these principles. Um, I love this guy. I'm going to use him forever, you know. Uh, we're just babies in this, aren't we? You know, all the way to the end, uh, we're just babies in this. The, the, the eternity with, with God is a much longer time frame than we're going to be here. So I just feel like we're, just, we're still babies and learning. Unity comes from a oneness in Christ through the Holy Spirit. We, we, we should be unified, unified in our family, our partnerships, our team, and our marriage, and we can accomplish anything. Um, and then I, I feel like this is my struggle. I have got to make sure I don't let selfish ambition spoil the day. And um, I have a wonderful wife who walks alongside me to help me with that. And um, it, what a blessing, you know, to have someone that you trust that can speak into your life. Uh, and then I've got Howard, and trust me, he'll never let me be selfish. He won't remind me regularly. Um, and, and so that's, you know, what will your life story be when you're presented on Judgment Day before Christ? You know, that's an important day when we stand before. We're forgiven. You know, we're forgiven. But, but we'll be, we, we, get to, we get to tell our story, or he's going to tell our story back to us. That little ripple effect. You know, they, I'm, I'm sad I missed the, the butterfly effect, but it's true. You know, those little things you do, those little acts of kindness along the way that you never know what, how big of an impact it's going to have. When maybe you stop at the counter at wherever fast food place and, and you're just sweet, or you overtip someone who's your hairstylist, or, you know, what, those little things that we can do and people wonder, why, why is it that that person is so generous or so thoughtful or so loving? And when they ask that question and they see you pursuing Christ, they're going to know the answer. Um, so anyway, good stuff. Let's, let's close in prayer. Father, we're grateful for your word. And as you employ, implore us to be unified, um, help us. We thank you in advance, Father, for accepting us right where we're at. If we've made mistakes in some of these concepts, uh, of course we have. So, Father, we thank you in advance for just grabbing us right where we're at, uh, grabbing these kids in Padre Island right where they're at, and letting our folks go in there and minister to them. Hopefully, Father, if we can just save one young lady from a big mistake, just one, that's my prayer, Father. Let us be unified in our love, not unified in judgment or discords. Let us be unified in our generosity, unified in our forgiveness. Uh, help us, Father, to grab on to that word that you give us and all the scripture you give us and just hold on to it tightly as we love our families and our friends and our business people. In Jesus' name.